Monday, Thursday, during COVID-19, for the Anglican Parish of Cales River, congregations of St. George, St. Mark's, and St. Monica's. Jesus said, is our sentence of the day, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, and you also should love one another. This comes from the record of the Gospel of John, 13th chapter and verse 34. Good morning, saints of the living God. The Lord be with you. And so, and so we would begin, continue the service uh, by singing the hymn, I come with joy, a child of God. Forgiven, loved, and free, the life of Jesus to recall, in love laid down for me. Now, worship and church during COVID-19 is a challenge. We are encouraged to practice the loving presence of God in our homes, with our families, and also do personal prayer and spiritual study of the scriptures. Hopefully, we will continue to have home altar stroke sanctuary times daily, even as we journey through this pandemic. Monday, Thursday is the Christian Holy Day falling on the Thursday before Easter. It commemorates the washing of the feet, and the Last Supper of Jesus with the Apostles, as described in the canonical Gospels. The color of celebration in this service is white, in order to express our joy and thanksgiving. And so the call to worship and praise. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be, and be glad. glad in it. Let us now give glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Lord God, we worship you, give you thanks, praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, receive now our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. In preparation for the celebration of the Eucharist, we pray together. Almighty God, our hearts are open and desires known. There are no secrets from you. Cleanse now the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, so that we may truly love you and worthily praise your holy name. Through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Amen. This leads us on now to make a confession of our sins. And if you pray with me, merciful God, we have sinned through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry. We repent and turn to you. Forgive us for our Savior Christ's sake and renew our lives to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Receive now the absolution, the assurance of God's forgiveness. Through the cross of Christ, God have mercy on you, pardon you and set you free. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. God strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Amen. Amen. The collect for the day <coughs> and for this service, we pray together. God, our Father, your Son revealed his love by giving us the supper to celebrate the new and eternal sacrifice. May he nourish us by his presence and unite us in his love, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. That leads us into the reading of the gospel, which is according to John from the 13th chapter. And I trust that you will go and read all the verses that have been laid down there. Just to capture some of the poignant points of this gospel is that the writer describes it as being the day before the Passover festival, which was a very important uh, day for the Jewish people. And re they, were, they were able to relive the Exodus experience um, and the movement towards the mount where God gave them and established with them a covenant. It also says that Jesus loved his disciples and loved all. And God's love is love that lasts forever. The words, the very end, is very interesting. Um, because, because with God, there is no end, for he is the end. And so Jesus shared this meal with his disciples. And at some point during the meal, he stood up from the table and then took off his outer garment, tying around his waist a towel. Then he poured some water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel. Now, as always, Simon Peter's got the loud mouth. And he asks the question, are you really going to wash my feet, Lord? Jesus said to him, you do not understand now, but you will 
later. And so Jesus goes on to tell them that the, the way in which they refer to him as teacher and Lord, if, if that is really what they're calling him, that's how they see him, that's how they relate to him, then what he does, they are called to do. And so by washing the feet of the disciples, Jesus was emphasizing what he said in the Gospel of Mark. I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus calls us into a servant ministry. Then you should wash one another's feet. So that's an important call to a community. Jesus also set an example. We all look for role models and so that so that you will do just what I have done. And that's the challenge we have. Do what Jesus has done. Possibly in the unique way God has enabled us to be formed in our lives that we may be a vessel through which it exemplifies what he has done and who he is. And then he goes on to make this astounding statement, now that you know this truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. So there's also another kind of a beatitude uh, blessed are those who put into practice the truth that Jesus taught them in the washing of the feet. Um, if they practice that, they are blessed. So people look for happiness. How do we find that Jesus says, knowing this truth of servanthood mm. and to practice it. And then he addresses them, my children, and tells them that He's no longer going to be with them in the way that they have experienced him. And again, uh, talks about his death. But this is what is important in the celebration of tonight. As I loved you, so you must love one another. Um, the washing of the feet is the ritual which emphasizes how much love we have for one another. But it goes beyond the washing um, bowl and towel. Uh, it goes into deeper things. And so my sisters and brothers, this is the gospel of Christ. Praise, Praise Christ, Christ, our Lord. It's interesting that, that in the Anglican tradition, um, the, or even in modern Christianity, the Last Supper and the washing of the feet is like amalgamated into one liturgy. Because I believe like in the past it was, you had the Last Supper Mass, and then you strip the altar, and then a separate thing is to have the, the washing of the feet. That was the old tradition. 
<laughs> I think that does indicate to us that um, the more we read, the deeper we read, the more we open to newer ways of looking at tradition through the tradition of scripture. New developments happen in our theological thinking and in our liturgical and sacramental practices. Um, particularly because we uh, seem we we we've, we're trying to get in touch with the the actual as far as we can the actual um, narrative telling us what was going on uh, in order to recall and to 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 experience uh, what what meaning of all of that is. So, yeah. to, so, so theolo- theology and therefore Christian tradition is never stagnant. Mm. That that's that's why it's it's very difficult to be a a um, fundamentalist. <laughs> it's actually very easy <laughs> from evidence. <laughs> Well, as a fundamentalist, you'll be caught out by the very text or texts or narrative of scripture that you're trying to propose. What I found about um, fundamentalists is that they are happy to quote the text, Mm. but they're not happy to explore the meaning of that text. Yeah, Go ahead. I have a friend who him and his wife did, or at least the wife is more my friend. Um, they they did the whole pilgrimage to Jerusalem and did all the things and they came back and suddenly it's not God anymore. It's Yahweh and, or, wait, I forget, I forget the other name. Uh, anyway, and yes, like yes. he went, yes, and yeah, all, all <laughs> All those things. And he like started, they stopped going to church and he does his own preaching. I mean, respect to the dude, not going to knock his hustle at all. But I keep asking them, I was like, what if you didn't stop where you thought your exploration into this faith stops? What if you just went further and asked extra questions and just pushed beyond that? And like, what does that do to your understanding? And that's always the, the, the little challenge I set to anyone who presents with two fundamental ideals. Yeah, I think the question that we must follow up in terms of the, with, with who did they engage in Jerusalem? And, mm. and, and, and my understanding would be that because they've picked up this thing called Messianic Christianity, and you mm. would see sometimes popping up when you're on the website, the Messianic Bible and so on. Yeah. There, is an, there is an American group that has fundamentally gone there and in an evangelical sense have captured that the only way to be truly following Jesus is to only say things in the original language. Mm. Now... Now, the church moved from Jerusalem to Rome. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the name they use for Jesus is actually Joshua. Yeah. 
That's how it sounds. But does it ring out the, the, the truth about who Jesus is, that he will save his people from their sins? So that's the name that was given. Um, and so people miss the point because now they are saying everything we've known until now, it's garbage. Yeah. What they've discovered now in Jerusalem suddenly is the only truth you can live by. There's something wrong about that, I think. Yeah, like not one person's truth isn't applicable to everybody. And yeah, it, absolutely. Again, like central, the the thing where I've like I'm I'm not a super religious person. Um, my wife is very spiritual, and my kids, like my daughter, she demands um, to learn. <laughs> so yeah, she sees Sunday school as a way that she can learn about things, and I send her because I have no problems with the philosophy of Christianity um, and the way it is applied through the Anglican Church because the central theme for me at least in Christianity is what Jesus imparts to the disciples it's like if you have love for one another then yeah. everyone knows that you are my disciples so I right. mean if if it means exposing my children to a universal philosophy of love and mutual respect amongst all people, well then, I am more than willing yeah. to set them down that path, you know? No, absolutely, absolutely. And I, and I think that's the thing, you see, that so, so it, it's very interesting that one of the discoveries that I made when I did a course, a three-year course in um, biblical studies through the Roman Catholic Church, that the more I got to read and study the Gospels, the more I realized what Jesus had said um, about the Pharisees, because Pharisees, the Pharisaic mindset and philosophy has been embraced by a certain, um, a certain brand of Christianity that's being displayed. And is, it is affected, in my view, from the right-wing evangelical movement from America, very mm. um, instrumental in the Pentecostal movement. So yeah. what, what has happened is that it's very easy to flip from saying you follow Jesus and, and then you act like a Pharisee. The line is very thin. And Jesus warned the disciples, he said, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees, because what the, the way that, that the yeast will form you, their teaching will form you, will not form you in the way that, uh, their teaching will form you, but the, the way that they exemplified it, their actions to it, obviously you don't follow because their righteousness is not the true righteousness of the kingdom of God. So the line between being Pharisees and being like Jesus is very fine. So when we read the Gospels, it's easy for us as Christians to think we are like Jesus, but our behavior often exemplifies the Pharisees. They were separatists. And what I found yeah. with, with some, with you know, the various denominations, and even in our own denomination, sometimes this happens. Now, if you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. Now, the practice of that would be if you have love for one another. So, um, does that say there's a condition around the fact that, okay, I can only love you 
if you're part of my congregation or my denomination or my way of belief. Because that's exactly going against the grain what Jesus had said. Yeah. But that everybody will know that you're my disciples. How will people know you're the disciples if you're choosing and picking to love whom you want to love? Mm. And I think that when I when I meet some people, there's that there's that we don't know where you are, or, or you're an Anglican, so you can't mm. be saved really, because that's what was said to me. I had my collar on, went to the shop, <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, this young lady who was serving me said, uh, so, Father, where, what pastor, pastor, what denomination yeah. are you part of? And I said, I'm Anglican. So she said, oh, yes, I was Anglican, and then I got saved. I thought, oh, yes. I thought, really? Is that what you call salvation? Simply because you're no longer Anglican, and therefore Anglicans can't be saved. Where do they pick up that garbage from? I don't know, but I, uh, I'm laughing so hard because there are two very special treasured memories that I have <laughs> with with that sect of, of society. Um, the one I was, yeah, I was still in high school um, and there was a church that had just moved into the Kales River area and a couple of my friends were part of it. And it was a cool thing to go there on a Friday evening for the youth. And... Um, <laughs> There, there was a statement made about preparing an army for battle. You know, we have to go battle the yeah. evil on the streets. And I was like, but how does that separate you from the the evil that you are battling if you are? Because mm. the way they were, were couching it was like, <laughs> it's like you, you can't make a gang to defeat a gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Then I, yeah. I was asked, I was asked not to 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 return again because obviously I was I was spreading. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and then the other one was uh, uh, I was dating this girl once, um, and her father took issue, and she repeated her father's words to me. Um, he said that we couldn't be together because she is full with the spirit and she can't. Um, spend any of hers to fill up my empty vessel, and yeah, wow. I took I took a lot of umbrage to that. Yeah, it wow. was that's yeah, crazy, crazy things and beliefs going around out there. No, absolutely. And, well, they're, they're, <clears throat> and that distracts from. I mean, um, we could argue from Anglican point of view that if this passage of scripture is so important to being a disciple of Jesus. And the whole narrative of feet washing and also of the communion. Then why is it that certain people don't practice it in a particular? We can then say we're following the biblical narrative. We fundamentally claim that. But if we are going into to all the wars, what is Jesus actually saying? Everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. So what, what does that mean then in this bigger scheme of things when we are ostracizing people, judging people who may not think like us or speak like mm. us, whose faith is different? Does that mean we can't love them? But 
If Jesus says that then everyone will know you are my disciples, why was it important that everyone will know that you are my disciples? So that through you, they are able to discover who I am. But that's what Gandhi said uh, when he was here in South Africa and they put him out of the cathedral church in Johannesburg. He said, I embrace the Jesus of the New Testament, but I can't embrace the Jesus that you seem to be exemplifying. Yeah. With striking words. And it attached itself very much to, to what Jesus is saying here. Yeah, um, if we truly love, we will accept. And through that acceptance, we may win people for Jesus. Um, but with all of the things that happens in the broader spectrum of Christianity, we probably need to wonder, are we following the gospel like Jesus? Yeah. Or do we easily flip over to embracing a Pharisaic way of thinking and living? Because the two are so close. Hmm. The message of servitude, like being in service to your fellow man, just rings so true where it's, you kind of have to identify with their struggle or in the literal way of like bringing yourself down to the level that you consider them, if you do consider them that way. Like yeah. that is true, true service to, to your brother or, or sister. Mm -hmm. Which is what which is what this particular experience is leading us globally to consider. If we truly care about people, we truly love people, if we truly are the followers of Jesus, what are we meant to do in a situation like this? Mm. So continue to allow the spread of the virus, where, for example, in New York, every two minutes somebody dies of mm. of the virus that we continue to then be selfish and think that our way it, it seems as if some people in the church are thinking god can't work with us in isolation um god is god has got many ways in which god works with us so being if we really meant to be the community of love, then we will serve in the way that is for the common good and to the glory of God. That we will not try and assume we are so powerful that we will be unaffected by what is going on. Faith is not about boasting. It's not about showing that your way of doing things conjures up God's activity. God was always there in the beginning, where all the viruses floated around, wherever, whatever way they were. Um, the viruses didn't come out of nowhere. They're around here somewhere, always. They're part of our whole makeup. They're in our bodies. And so, and so it's not as if the way you believe is going to get God now to work in a particular kind of way. Mm. When we look at this scripture, it says, so the way you are my disciples is how you love one another, how you care for one another, how they inspire one another, how you affirm one another, and even how you correct one another. 
mm. um, would, would then, for the common good of all and to the glory of God. But I think when we are selfish, when we want to do things our way, when we um, reject what scientists say, then how is that being a disciple of Jesus? Because where, in, what's that song they said, where is the love? Yeah. Where is the love? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. If, if you go through Paul's account of, of the Last Supper, yeah. um, where we get the, like the, the full words that we use in the Eucharist of this is my body that shared for you yeah. and do this in remembrance of me. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting that he then, he channels just that breaking of bread with Jesus. But throughout um, the first letter to the Corinthians, there, there isn't really that, that universal love um, theme that, that comes across at all, which is, it's, it's always been strange to me. <laughs> well, it is there in that particular passage you're referring to. Mm. Um, when you do this, when you do the communion, when you come together now, remember writing to the Corinthian church, there was very um, sad division in the church. And there were complaints, uh, which is normal to human society, but it wasn't very exemplary uh, that the church was behaving in such a way. So Paul, given this understanding of what was going on, writes to them. So he writes about every aspect of what it means to be a, a community. And uh, from the Acts of the Apostles, we would have learned that one of the things that they did about being community was to, have, to break bread with one another. And so yeah. here is where, where, where the love is. Uh, when you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So what is the Lord's death about? That in the, in the, um, and, and it will come up in oh, the thing that I had taken from the New Zealand prayer book, where it mm. says that um, um because of his love for us, Jesus went to the cross to die for us. Um, and so his death exemplifies the love God has for all people. Again, John chapter 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that, those words, so when you hear about the death of our Lord, what does that conjure up there? Now you proclaim that death as yeah. God's love for the world. Um, it may actually also have been in the hymn that I had read through earlier on, in love laid down for me, the life of Jesus to record in love, laid down for me. That was the death. And the church is called to proclaim that until mm. Jesus returns. Um, now the question of course is uh, is, is just in the breaking of the bread moment that we do the proclamation or is the proclamation ongoing? When we leave the table, how are we proclaiming the death of our Lord until he comes again? Um, and it, it's not a matter just of quoting John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Well, 
if you love one another, then everyone will know that you are following me. You'll be my, that you are my disciples. So, um, so they all seem to bind together around the theme of the, in love laid down for, for, for all of us. Okay, that was a that was a deep dig there, though. (laughs) 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 Obviously, Father Rodney, um, the you could just then take us through the next section of of this service. Okay, from the gospel reading um, and from the reflection on the scriptures. We hear that beautiful chorus hymn, Brother, Sister, Let Me Serve You, Let Me Be As Christ to You. That's very, very important. I wrote a verse um, attached to this, As Christ stepped down to wash their feet, the disciples were were surprised. Peter reprimanded Jesus and to learn the Savior's way. Um, And uh, in the washing of the feet, Make sure you have a bowl. Because of the COVID-19, it's perhaps good for you to have water, not necessarily soapy water, in a spray bottle uh, with gloves and a towel. Sure that you wash your hands, but do the action, even if it's in a different way. One of the challenges about this was when Lindsay asked me to consider washing the feet of my wife is that when we enact this in the church, it's not your family members that necessarily come forward for the washing of the feet. It's your congregants whom you're called to serve. But with COVID-19, this is now a challenge. How do we wash the feet of our loved ones whom we call family? Um, And that was a striking a striking moment for me. Here's an opportunity to show that you love and serve. Um, and I'm sure this could conjure up a whole debate because we would say, now, who does more in the house than the other? Who makes me coffee? Who makes me tea? All of that could come. So here is a challenge of a turnaround on how we can be family in which love is shown through the demonstration of the washing of feet, which then leads to how we all serve one another in the basic essence of everyday life. Um, And how we learn to do that ongoingly, because we could so easily get caught up into our own little worlds and 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 take one another for granted. So when we do this, these are the prayers that will follow the washing of the feet as per our prayer book, Lord, you have declared your will that we should faithfully keep your commandments. You have commanded us to love one another as you have loved us. In your mercy, we ask you to hear our prayer that you, most loving Lord, stoop down to wash the feet of your disciples. Accept now this our act of obedience and humble service. Wash us clean from all sin and teach us to serve you in the least of our sisters and brothers. To the glory of the Father, 
who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And the action follow, follow is captured in the prayer that is prayed coming out of the event of the ritual of the washing of the feet. Uh, the, the prayer says we want to follow the example of Jesus in everyday life, not just in the moment of the ritual. This leads us mm. on to where the church is called to pray for unity in Christ throughout the world. It's amazing as we think of the effects of COVID-19, that though we are called to go into practicing social distancing, in the practice of the collective practice of uh, what is necessary to ensure that this virus doesn't continue to, 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 to affect, infect people, unity in is, is an important thing, the unity in Christ. And that distance doesn't necessarily mean we cannot be united. So in this prayer for unity in Christ, we include homes and families, marriages, family relationships, the church. Here we recall Roman Catholics with Pope Francis, the Eastern Orthodox churches with their leaders, the churches that the Anglicans have covenanted with, this, these are the United uh, Reformed Church, the Presbyterian Church, um, and the Congregational Church, um, and the Methodist Church. We think also of churches with other traditions within the community. And then we are called to pray for unity in Christ in the Anglican Communion, uh, as we remember the leader, Archbishop Dustin, in the Anglican Church of Southern Africa, with Archbishop Tabul, in the Diocese of False Bay with Bishop Margaret, in the parish of, uh, of St. George and Marks and St. Monica's, with the rector Rodney and the assistant priest Marlon, and the retired clergy who often so faithfully assist us, and we also included the peoples of other faiths. Um, Jesus, in conclusion, it recaptures the words of Jesus. We receive the peace Jesus leaves with us. His peace that he gives to us. And so we pray for his sake that we are granted this unity. So much needed in this world. Unity that brings forth peace that Jesus leaves with us and gives us. And so we remember in terms of unity and solidarity for all who have been infected, thanksgiving those that have recovered, and for solidarity with those who, are, who mourn the death of their loved ones, and also those that have died, as a result of this illness and all other illnesses over this time. We think of the medical staff in solidarity with them, those um, in the labs trying to find a vaccine um, for the people who are ensuring that the regulations are kept, the security forces, 
Um, for others who work in essential services, who every day have to go out and be there for us. So we try to capture this solidarity with them as we pray the prayer in the time of COVID-19. Author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly, and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. So, obviously, there is no great dismissal at the end of, of this service. No, there is, actually. Once we've gone through the communion section, and uh, mm-hmm. I've put in there the celebration, because this is the, the, the two things of the service, is the washing of the feet and the institution of the Lord's Supper, um, mm-hmm. which has been inaugurated as a sacred meal. And in the celebration of the Eucharist, Christ gathers, teaches and nourishes the church. So for us as Anglicans, the Eucharist is central to the Christian spiritual life. Mm. So by invitation, Jesus says to us, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them at the last day. My flesh is real food, my blood real drink. And whoever eats of my flesh and thinks my blood remains in me and I in them. And I encourage us to say this prayer of, re- of approach as we listen to this invitation by Jesus. Almighty everlasting God, we approach the sacrament of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Seek, we come to the physician of life, as unclean to the fountain of mercy, as blind to the light of eternal splendor, as needy to the Lord of heaven and earth, as naked to the King of glory. And then we respond with our coming towards um, receiving the sacrament with the Lord's Prayer, which I hope you will pray as families, and also words that will help us with spiritual communion. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to pray the one that says, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Let us just savor on those words as if we're receiving both the body and blood of our Lord. Once we have received and the the, the service concludes um, um with the taking of the reserved sacrament placed in a garden of Gethsemane setting to encourage the vigil to happen. People go after they've been in the church to this place for a time of silence and prayer, meditation, um, and just being with the Lord, allowing the Lord to be with each of us. Uh, it's it's a solemn procession. Once the sanctuary party gets back, the prayer books are opened as the sanctuary is being cleared and we recite the whole of Psalm 22. That's the dramatic 
um, as it were, uh, conclusion or perhaps bridge built for us to enter into the Good Friday experience. Um, and it starts with the words that Jesus would say on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? And from the words of my groaning. And then it goes through 32 verses. Um, the penultimate verse, would this, these are the words that would be said, but he has saved my life for himself and my posterity shall serve him. He has saved my life for himself. This very God from whom we, he felt forsaken is the one who saves his life for himself. And, and so we can see the spirituality of Jesus very much influenced by the psalmist. And so we take the psalms were poetry, Hebrew poetry, but also used to as as hymns in the Jewish worship. So in, 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 in evidence, whilst we are reciting the psalm as the sanctuary is being cleared, and as we prepare to enter the Garden of Vigil, um, we are actually singing through saying Hebrew poetry and the worship song in the in the Hebrew culture. Uh, Dramatic, that dichotomy, the two things held together, forsaken, yet saved.